Well, good morning. I want to say thank you for those songs. That one had a special blessing to it. Let's pause for a word of prayer, and then we'll start. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your promises, and we thank you for your care for us. And Father, as we share together this morning, we just ask your spirit would be here, and that you would speak to us about knowing you. Thanks again for loving us, in Jesus' name, amen. I just finished a uh, a series on who God is, I mean who Jesus is, I guess I titled it, What Manner of Man Is It? And after going through that, I got to thinking about uh, another topic that has been uh, on my mind for quite a while, even though as I was going through that one, this other topic came up. And it is to know God. How do we know him? How does he fit in our lives? A.W. Tozer wrote in his book, uh, The Knowledge of the Holy, what comes into our minds when we think of God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we think of God is the most important thing about us. And then he added a little bit later, we tend to move toward our secret image of God. I can remember the years growing up how people would say, you know, your heavenly father is like your earthly father. And I always struggled with that. You know, we compare him. People say that, you know, and it is true. If an earthly father does what he godly should do, you can compare the two. There is a comparison there to some degree. Because they should be loving, compassionate, considerate. But sometimes those earthly fathers are cold, harsh, rough, painful. I think it's Loretta Lynn sings a song, and the only reason I know it is because Marianne has it on her playlist. <laughs> and it's called Daddy's Hands. And the chorus goes so much to the fact that Daddy's hands were always kind and always gentle when I was crying, but they were also hard as steel when I'd done wrong. But she ends it with saying, but there was always love in Daddy's hands. And it isn't always that way. Uh, you know, I know, I've talked to people that 
have felt the abuse, verbally, physically, whatever. And it's sad that it is that way. That we as fathers can't model who God is. What A.W. Tozer meant by that was we move towards the secret of the image of, that we have as, a, as the secret image of God. And it tends to be that our image of God, as we move towards that image, conforms to our personality and our life. The things that we think we like. We are made in the image of God, and we are made to worship an almighty God, a holy God. But we so often give in to, a, to an inferior God. The God that is in your life, and yeah, we all like to say that God comes first. Our relationship to God is first. That is always But sometimes when I watch people and I see what they want to do and what they do and what they like to do and what gets pushed on the back burner, I wonder if God is first. And that comes so often in my life. I mean, James, I think, says, if you know to do good and you don't do it, it's sin. And I know there's many a time when I felt like I should go do something or should do this or that and I don't do it. And I say, what are you expecting of me, God? And so this morning, I'm, I'm not sure that this is going to turn into a, a series, but I have a good notion it might. Uh, so this morning, I want to look at a few verses. If you open your bulletin, I think it's the first time it has ever happened, but on the inside of your bulletin is Jeremiah 9, 23, and 24. When I opened up the bulletin this morning and saw that, I said to Mary Ann, I said, that's the very verse, verses I plan to start out with. You can read those for yourself, or I can read them for you, but he says in 23, Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might, let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts, boasts in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord. You can finish the verse if you want. He practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. If you're going to boast in any... Now, this is Old Testament. We haven't even hit the new. But this is Old Testament when he says, boast. And if you want to boast, you want to boast that you know the Lord. That you know who God is. I thought of Paul in, in uh, Philippians 3, where he goes through his list of being a Pharisee of the Pharisees, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, zealous for the persecuting of the church. And he goes on down through there and he says, I can boast about all these things. 
but I only want to boast in the cross of Christ. So God is a God to learn to know. In, the, in Isaiah 55, uh, he says, Seek me while, you, while I can be found. Uh, find him. Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, says to this effect, The people that know their God, the people that know their God, shall stand firm and take action. The people that know their God. And in Hosea chapter 4, verse 1, he says that if you're not faithful and no love and there is no knowledge of God in the land. The Old Testament, and those are just a couple of them. I found a whole bunch more. But in the Old Testament, that is who God was, a God to find. When you look at the people who knew God in the Old Testament, those were the ones God called to do things. And not everybody was called. We have the prophets, exact persons that were called. We have the judges, in some cases, that were specifically called by God to do something. But not everybody was. And it was the priest's job to make the Lord God known. To the people. That's who was supposed to make God known. But yet God appeared to people. We have the story of Jeremiah saying, I can't, I can't talk. And God says, well, I, I made it so you can. You have Moses saying the same thing. And there goes Aaron with him. And you often wonder what that situation might have turned out to be if Moses would have said yes and left Aaron out of the picture. But we don't have that option. Uh, Isaiah says the same thing. Here am I, Lord, send me. And I'm not sure, I think it might be, I'm not sure, Nehemiah or, or Chronicle somewhere where he says that God could find no one willing to stand in the gap, to fill that gap. And God is saying to us in the New Testament, I am a God to be known. In John chapter 8, and uh, there's a number of them there in John chapter 8, and all of them generally re refer back to the same thing, where Jesus is arguing or disputing, whatever you want to call it, with the Pharisees, and giving them a, should have given them a guilty conscience, I don't know that it did. But he was, he was talking to them and he said, you don't know God because you don't know me. And it's just that simple. You can't know God unless you know Jesus. Jesus comes because no man comes to the Father except the Spirit draw him. And Jesus said, I am that way. So he was talking to the scribes and Pharisees, and he said, you don't know God because you don't know me. I want to turn to, to John chapter 17. It's the uh, 
what we call the high priestly prayer. And there's just a couple verses there where Jesus is praying. And the first part of the chapter, he's praying for, some say for himself. And then the second part of the chapter, he's praying for the disciples. And then the end of the chapter, he's praying for everybody. But John chapter 17. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give him eternal life to all whom you have given him. <clears throat> and then in verse 3, and this is eternal life that they know you the only true God. The only true God. And Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life is in that phrase. To know the only true God. And that's what I think. I'd like, I'd like to try to portray in maybe weeks coming is how do we know God? Do you know him as a sovereign God? Do you know him in, as an all-knowing God? And when I say all-knowing, put one phrase in there. My situation. Do I know him and trust him in my situation? Do we know him as a faithful God? Do we know him as powerful? He can do whatever he wants to do. We were talking about it the other day, and I'm not sure how the subject came up, but uh, they were talking about, I think it was politics came in. And one of the things that I've said for a long time is if you really believe that God's in control, if you really believe he is, then you will have to believe that the verse in the Old Testament says that God turns the heart of the king in whatever way he wants to turn it. So do you believe in an all-powerful God, an all-loving God, a compassionate God, a changeless God, a holy God. Do you believe that the creator we worship is holy? To the point where Peter says, be ye holy as I am holy. John chapter 17, later in that chapter, verse 22, he says, The glory that you have given me, I have given them. And this is how it should work. And I struggle with it as well as probably a lot of other people. That they may be one, even 
as we are. We have been given the promise of an eternal connection with God. And we are there because God says, because Jesus made it possible when he said, we are one and they can be one as we are one. And you know, it's incredible how that works. You know, in Genesis 4, God talks about the marriage and being one. And that's basically what he's saying to us here. That we can be one with him. We can have that intimate knowledge of him. And one thing that is so, so good about God is that we'll never get to the end of him. His, his ways are unsearchable. His riches are unsearchable. His ideas above, his thoughts are so far above our thoughts, we can't begin to know them. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul is talking to, to the church <clears throat> and most of his epistles, I didn't check all of them, so that's why I'm going to say most. I have a notion that's probably in all of them, but he starts out in, in chapter 1 of Ephesians, and he says, I, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He puts it in there. God our Father. Then in verse 3 he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And he goes on from there with, in, in verse 3, the blessings that are there. In verse 4, 5, and 6, we are chosen through God. And that happened before the foundations of the world. Before there was a world. I read a, I, I'm reading a book called Jesus on Every Page. I don't know who the, who the author is. Uh, and he's looking at the Old Testament. And one of the things he said, and I'm not sure I'm quite where he's at, but one of the things he said was, if this verse 4 before the foundation of the world is true, then creation was done. The earth was set and creation was done so that God had a place for the redemptive plan to work. I thought about that one. I, I'm not quite sure where I'm at at that one yet. But if God did it before the foundation of the world, he set the redemptive plan in, in, in motion. He had to have a place for it to be. And so he put this little ball out there called earth. And that's where he made his plan to work. You can take that one for what, it, what it's worth. Uh, but God 
has predestined us. He has adopted us in verse uh, verse 5. We are adopted through Jesus. God has done those things for us. That we should be holy and blameless before him in love. Then he goes on from verse to 7 to 12, and that's the redemption story. In him we have redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And then the last two verses in that section, 13 and 14, we are sealed. God sent his spirit to seal us, to make us uh, his well, we're guaranteed of our inheritance because we are sealed through the Spirit. God has done so much for us. And I look at that and I say, how well do I know him? How well does he fit in my daily life? I'd like to think that we all have him as number one, that he's always in the forefront of everything that happens. But sometimes we get waylaid. It's like James said, we are going to such and such a place to do such and such a thing. How often are our plans made that way? We're going to do this, and we're going to do it at this time, and we're doing it. And all of a sudden, at the very tail end, we say, oh, and by the way, God, would you bless us? Paul, in Philippians, <coughs> said life goes on, and then he says in verse four, chapter 3, verse 14, I press on towards that goal of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. God's call on his life. And that's what life is. We press on towards that goal. I want to flip to uh, Colossians chapter 1. Just a couple verses. Uh, <clears throat> he starts out in chapter uh, 1 again with his, with his regular greeting. But then in verse 3 he says, We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. Always thankful to God for what he has done. And then in verse 10, I think I might back up a little here. Verse 9, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge, there you are, of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding and, and, and knowledge and so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. There's so many times that it's there, the knowledge of God. And as I've taken time to look, I really wonder how much of God I really know. 
How much of God and his greatness and his love and his care do I really understand? And that's what it's all about. Scripture is there for us to learn to know this God. He's not out there in such a way that we can't know him. He's out there in such a way that through nature, through the Bible, through the Spirit, whatever, we can learn to know him. The only thing I say is he is so great that regardless how much of him you know here, when we get to heaven, it will be so much beyond what we thought we knew of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and the possibility of knowing you. The possibility of seeking to know you. And as Jesus said, that we can be one with you and to know the only true God. I just ask, Lord, that you would open our hearts to see and search the scriptures to find you and to see where you're at and how you move and how you dwell among us and infill us with your spirit. Lord, I thank you for that great love you've given to us and that Jesus died. And because of that, we have eternal life through him and in you.